Today, I want to talk to us. Um, I got a series of messages that I'm going to be preaching over the next few weeks um, about what God wants us to do uh, from this body. Today, I'm going to start with you and I. What God wants to do in us, what must happen in us first in order for us to go do what God has called a church to do. I said a church, a church, amen. Some of you are listening to the sleet right now saying, God, I hope he hurries up so the roads won't be slick. You'll be all right. Amen. Roads, the ground's too warm for it to stick, so you're going to be good even on the bridges. It ain't going to stick before we get out of here at 3 o'clock today. I want to title today's message, Get Up, God's Not Finished With You. Get Up, God's Not Finished With You. How many of you go through, you know, the end of the year is so many I see on Facebook and, and I hear words of, oh, if we can just get through this year, I'm ready for this year to be done. Let's just put the, let's put a fork in this and call her done. Amen. And, and we're, we just get in that rut and that routine of, oh, man, i am be glad when this is over. Amen. How many of you have been there? You know, our Christian walk a lot of times is that way too. You ever made the statement, Lord, I wish he'd just take me on. I do, but man, I some things I'd like to keep doing while I'm here. Can I take my grandkids with me? Oh, and by the way, I got a new grandson. I mean, man. David said that we got a grandson, all of us here. He said, that's Sam's carrying a baby, but it's all, all, all of ours, and that's about true. Man, that baby's good looking, looks just like his papa. Well, Lexi did tell me, she said, yeah. <laughs> he does. Look, pictures. Uh, I don't know. We got any pictures. I didn't put that in there. But, you know, Hunter, I'll have to work on that. But uh, look right here is what it looks like. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, amen. You know, Lexi told me, she said, Poppy, it does look like he has no hair. <clears throat> so. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that right in there. But we get tired in our Christian walk. We, it feels mundane. If you don't think it's mundane, you ain't doing anything. Uh-oh. I'm going to preach to you now. I'm going to get better in a minute. If your Christian walk sometimes doesn't go through a flat land, a desert, you're not doing anything. You're trying to always live on a spiritual high. Come on now. <clears throat> If you think it doesn't get mundane uh, and rough, just ask these two people. They're, they're, they're full of Jesus to the max. Amen. But when you deal every Wednesday and every Sunday with kids on a regular basis, you get into a, a, in a thing where sometimes you just got to get up and make yourself do the next, take the next step. Make yourself come to church. Make yourself prepare to teach kids God's word. Come on now. Can we be honest? I know some of you are super spiritually here, and you don't, you don't live like that, but I live like that sometimes. Reminds me of a story I may have told, but you just laugh anyway if you've heard it, where the husband and wife were at home, and the wife goes and says, get up, we got to go to church. He said, I don't want to go to church today. You got to go. I don't want to go. Come on, let's go to church. I don't want to. A few minutes later, she goes back and says, you got to get up and go to church, but I don't want to go to church. Why do I have to go? He said, because you're the pastor. So I, I, I feel that way sometimes. So we get in this rut and, and being just of, of the cycle of doing church, of doing God, of being a Christian, of doing what we're supposed to do and we don't enjoy it. And it's like, oh, if we could get parents on involved so that they could just take their kids and, and keep them a little like corralled just a minute so that we could actually teach a lesson for 30 minutes. It's all the parents' fault and they're tired too. Come on. You don't even live with those kids. <laughs> but God's not finished. Get up because God's not finished with you. God's not finished yet with this world. God's not finished with America. God's not finished with LVA Church. Come on, God's got a plan. And I want to talk to you today about me and you, about what God wants us to do. In Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 1, if you have your Bibles, 
Revelations chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Now remember, John is writing to the churches. Say, the church. Let's say everybody say it, some of you, the church. John is writing to the church. There's seven churches, by the way, but he's writing to this particular church. And he gives some insight and of what's happening at this particular church. I believe that there's some false advertising going on at this church out on their sign if they had one in the day. There's some false advertising, and God brings it to their attention that you're false advertising who I am and what you're doing. Ooh, this is going to be good. He starts out this way. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. In other words, God is saying this, okay? I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. We don't even like it when people, when we think we're doing one thing and somebody says, you ain't doing that right. You're not really doing that. You think you are, but you're not. Think about if God tells the church that. You say you're alive, but you're dead. That'll take the wind right out of you. If you think you're following God and doing the right thing, he says, I know that you have a name, that you're alive. That means vibrant. That means doing something. That means exercising something in your life. That means being out there and being a light to the world. But he says, you're dead. You know what dead is? It's just dead. It's lifeless. God says, this church, they say one thing, but they're dead. D-E-A-D, dead. Lifeless. Of no use to anything. Taking up good space on earth. Woo. I didn't say it now, but I'm going to bring a point around. This is what now, verse 2. I like this, though. Be watchful. And strengthen the things which remain, watch this, that are ready to die. There's hope when Christ speaks something in the Word of God, there's always some hope to follow. He says, you think you're alive, but you're really dead. But guess what? There's something inside of you, some little seed. There's something down deep in the pit of your spirit that still has a little life. Come on. You ever felt that way? You just felt like, oh, God. But down in there, there is something in your spirit that causes you to get up one more time, that causes you to love that neighbor one more time, that causes you to forgive your spouse one more time, that causes you to do something one more time. You thought it was dead, but it's that little thing in your spirit that you didn't know was even, that even had a flicker. I've been remodeling an old building out back. It was too rustic and authentic to tear down. It was ugly, though, wasn't it, Blade? Man, it was ugly. But we've been working on it. And I had a big pile out there. Started with a few boards. When I got done, the, 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 the ashes was standing up about this tall, seriously. And it rained a couple of, a, a night, few nights ago. Put out the fire couple of days ago I was back out there working and I threw a board from the roof landed on that pile and there was wind blowing and I looked around here in a minute I didn't see any fire but I saw a little smoke coming out of where is that coming I thought it was complete it was nothing there what you couldn't feel any heat but somewhere down in that pile there was enough something another that was still warm enough, that was still alive, that said, if you give me the right fuel, put the right conditions on me, I'll come back to life. We began to put wood, more old scrap wood on that thing, and a little bit, there was a little bit more smoke. And then I was become Abraham. I wanted to help God. So I threw diesel on it. Man, it blew up 
up. It was ready to go. It was a roaring fire. And it started with something that I didn't even think existed, but it was in the pile. I'm telling you that God has got something inside of you that said he's not done with you. It's time for you to get up. He's not finished with you yet. So we look at the scripture. It says it's ready to die. You may be ready to throw in the towel. You may be ready to give up your class. You may be ready to give up on God. You may be ready to give up on witnessing. You may be ready to give up on trying to be a good person and trying to live right. You may be ready to say, I'm done with this. It's not working. Everywhere I turn, something bad happens, and I'm done. But God ain't finished with you yet. It's ready to die. You may be ready to die, but God says you need to strengthen that thing that remains. That's where you and I come in. We've got to strengthen that thing, just like I did that old fire. By itself, it'll just smolder. But when I begin to put the right things, the fuel on it, not necessarily the diesel fuel, but the wood, and when the air came and the oxygen came, it began to, began to do something down deep, even deeper than I could see. And then with a little help, I strengthened that fire, Carl. Come on, some of us need a little spiritual gasoline thrown on us. I'm going to get at the front of the line, by the way, because I want to get the brunt of the gasoline. I want to be on fire for God. Amen? When that fire's going big... People come. I said, what you burning? Does it matter what I'm burning? <laughs> come on. They could see that building being dismantled to a degree. They knew what I was burning. Come on. Think about this. I think about stuff like that when your neighbors ride by. <laughs> on a little side by side, and then they come back and ride back by. And they did that three or four times, and they're looking, you know, like I'm thinking, you need to watch the road. <laughs> then they pull in and say, what you burning? Gravel, we've been burning gravel. It real well. It wasn't that they didn't know what I was burning. They just knew something was burning. I'm telling you, if we'll get and strengthen ourselves on that thing that remains in our spirit, people really don't care what's burning. They just see something's burning. And when they get burning, when something's burning, guess what? They'll show up to see what's burning. Go to fire, I guarantee you, Ralph, you have to tell people, get out of the way. You want to hit them with that big truck because they up there part looking at, at it burn. And then they'll be the ones on Facebook complaining because the firemen didn't get there fast enough. Because you done got out your car, took the keys, and walked over there around the side. Now they can't get the vehicle up, right? Amen. Amen. Watch this. <clears throat> For I have not found your works perfect before God. Let me read the verse again. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect for God. He's saying you're not where you need to be, but there's still something in there. And I'm not finished with you yet. So if you'll strengthen that, if you'll be watchful when those things come, you'll see that thing that's fixed to put out that fire. Come on. You know when you engage in stuff, the Bible is what he's talking about. Be watchful and strengthen. Well, how do, how do you watch? It's what you do when you're away from church. It's how you respond to situations. It's what you listen to. It's how you talk. It's the insinuations that you make. It's your attitude. And that will never change until you get in God's word and say, God, speak to me through your word so that I know how to respond to the world correctly. Come on, church. This is good stuff. We need this the second day of this year. We need this message. Me first. Verse 3, remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Man, that verse, that, those words, that part ever spoke to me. I mean, it jumped out in me. It says, remember. Have you ever been in a place in your spiritual walk where all you could do was just remember how God had blessed you back yonder, how God had brought you through something over there, how God had come upon you and blessed you and just, and, and just spiritually speaking, blessed you, and you, you were growing. All you could do was remember that time. You ever been there? Man, I have. When you're going through that valley, and then the Bible, and this is scripture. It says, 
Remember, therefore, you have received what you have received, how you have received, and how you've heard it, and hold fast to that and repent. I asked the Lord one time, Lord, why do I keep doing this thing? It's a problem in my life. Lord, why do I keep doing this? And I was just, I I really was pleading with God, why, Lord, will you take it from me? Lord, would you deliver me from this? Lord, would you? Why do I do it? That was my question. He goes right back to word, right back to scripture. He said, it's because you're drawn away of your own lust. You're enticed by those things. That's what makes you do that. Lord, is there another answer because I don't like that one? You know why I didn't like it? Because he put the burden on me. See, I had to do something. I had to strengthen my walk, my faith walk with him. How do you do that? Through God's word, spending time with God. That's how you strengthen those things that you have heard. That's how you do that. And when you've heard them and you strengthen yourself in in getting God's word, then he begins to build you up. But without God's word, we will not be able to do what I believe God's calling this church to do in 2022. If you're not strong, if the church body is just helping the cripples along, come on, if the church body is helping the lame along, the blind along, if that's all we're doing, how are we going to go do something out there? Because there's more people out there. We've got to learn to get in the word of God ourselves. Now, the church is to help those. Don't get me wrong, but you understand where I'm going. It's time the church become the church. Amen. I thought you'd like it. Therefore, if you will not watch, this is verse 3. If you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. There's a remnant. And I believe there's a remnant today in this house and all across America and all across the world. There's a remnant of God-fearing, God-believing, faith-filled, spirit-filled people that want to see God move and want to see the lost soul come to Jesus. The churches have gotten so, this is why I believe that Sardis was the way it is. They said, we're alive because we got programs. We're alive because we got stuff happening for our church body. And he says, that's wonderful, but you're dead. Because the sole purpose of the church is to go win lost. Because you and I are the, are the church. This building is not the church. Take the front doors off, put some roll-up doors on it, and we'll rent it to John Deere. Use the mechanic shop. Come on. God's called the church to win souls. But if we're dead and we're dragging ourselves to church, I can assure you, you ain't going out and winning souls. Shout me down now. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before the angels, his angels. Verse 6, and he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Anybody in here cannot hear at all. I know some of us are a little bit less than others, but is there anybody in here that cannot hear at all, that is completely deaf, 100%? I didn't think so. You know what the Bible says? If you got an ear... Pay attention to what I'm telling you. Because if you don't pay attention, I'll come up on you as a thief. Mm, okay. So, <clears throat> now that you know that we must strengthen ourselves in that thing which remains, it is ready to die. So, how do we strengthen ourselves? Okay, that's always a good question if you're wanting to know how to do that. If you want to know how to uh, have, uh, what's a good body fat number? Anybody in here? I don't know what your body fat is, but it ain't much, Michael. Like him. What, what is a good, uh, we got any nurses? Anybody tell me, what's a good body fat? What's a good body fat? I mean. Just between me and you, what do you think mine is? 
30s. Okay. <laughs> he said I wasn't about to die. I have life left in me. I got some spare, okay? See, it's all the way you look at this thing, right? See, you skinny folks, y'all run out of food. Y'all hurting quick. I got some reserves. Amen. So how do you speak? So see, if you want to know how to get down to a 20-something body fat, you don't need to talk to me. I can tell you how to get fat but not get down to a certain body fat weight uh, level, okay? Because to get fat, you just got to buy a little Debbie's. She'll make you big Deborah. Come on right now. You hear what I'm saying? But you got to know how to strengthen yourself. So you're going to need to go to a trainer. You're going to need to get some uh, uh, doctor advice on what to eat and the proper way to do that based on your age and your metabolism and all those things they put in this big old thing and say, this is what you ought to do. And I'm thinking, I don't have that body fat. I want to be fat, okay? <laughs> but if you want to grow spiritually, there's some things we got to look at in God's Word. You got to go up to that mirror, that real mirror, and look at that thing and say, God, what is it you want to do with that guy right there, that woman right there that's staring back at me? You got to be honest now. This ain't a hyped up emotional thing. When you go stand in front of that mirror and say, God, what do you want to do in my life? What part can I play? What do I need to do? That's when you make that, that's when you need to have, you need to know how to strengthen yourself because he's, he's fixing to give you a word that you already knew. You just didn't want to accept. So you better strengthen yourself. Watch this. Now, so how do we strengthen ourselves? I'm going to give you two things. I'm going to talk about some stuff and then we're going to give you a little story. <clears throat> two things that you need to do in your spiritual life to strengthen yourself. Number one, find out what's causing the decay. What's causing you to slip away. You got to find that out. Everybody knows your stuff. I mean, you, you, you know your stuff. Nobody knows your stuff, but you know what I'm saying. You know what causes you to fall. You know what causes you to fall. I know what causes me. I know my weaknesses. If you don't, you're a liar. You already know. So number one, know what causes the decay or the deadness in your life. And number two, get rid of the decay or that which is dead in your life. Those are two things that are essential to strengthening yourself because decay keeps going on and on. So I'll give you the story. I am remodeling an old rustic building in my backyard and at first look, you, you think, good Lord. I mean, now, Blade, you don't amen me any in this moment. You just say, no, that's not the way that thing looks, okay? <clears throat> He's my neighbor, by the way. A good wind would come by, and it sounded like one of the worst orchestras in the world. You would think that the, the gas line, the gas pipes going under the Mississippi River were, were banging. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, it bam, bam, bam. And I'm thinking, good Lord, either come off or somebody go fix that thing. Somebody. Come on, y'all. You, you got that. Come on now. I, think about this. That's what we want. God, come on and send somebody to give me a word and fix me. My wife would say, are you ever going to fix that thing? When I get around to it, I'm going to fix it. But it ain't bothering me that bad. Cut the TV up a little more. <laughs> we need new windows in the house so that sound don't come through them. So I put new windows in. I didn't stop that tent. The tent, and, and I had a big old tree. The guy came last, a couple years ago and said, it must be 100 plus years old. Big old cotton. Matter of fact, when John 3 was down, it took three of us like this to put our, to barely touch our fingers to go around this tree. That's how big it is at the bottom. It is huge. It's got limbs bigger than my body, seriously, right here, which is kind of small. But. And they fell. A couple of those had fallen. Bam. Do you know what a big old limb will do to a piece of tin? Knock a hole in it. I, may, I'm, I got a point. I'm making a point. 
knock a hole in it. Well, over time, I patched on it a little bit here and there. But over time, I got to looking and Tina said, let's tear that old barn down. I said, okay, I'm going to go out there and we're going to start tearing. After the first of the year, we're going to tear that barn down. She told me that last month. After the first of the year, I'm going to tear that old barn down. So I went out there uh, two weeks ago, and I began to look at that old barn. And I began to look at the ridge pole going across the center. That's, that's, man, that's three-inch oak. And I began to look at the tuba sixes, and some of them were a little decayed toward the end where the tin had been plopping. And I began to look at the old chrysoted post that was in the ground about that big around. They were solid. Cypress on the outside. Looked like it was about to fall down, but that's what cypress is, that beautiful thing. My wife said, we ought to take a picture in front of it. I said, so we can make the building look good? Let's catch a non-windy day so that tin ain't up there doing this. So I thought, well, I went in and I presented to my wife, why don't we keep that building and why don't I refurbish that because it's got some good bones. It's pretty solid in there. She said, but what about all that, that decaying all rotten wood in places? I said, I can fix that. See, the first thing I had to do was assess what was going on and I had to look and see what scriptures, what I said, well, we got to find out what's causing the decay. You know what's causing the decay? The roof had a leak in it and it would leak down on the wood and begin to rot the wood. And when the wood began to run, guess what? It would be weak in this area. And then there's another spot over here that was weak in this area. So I had to figure out, why do I have decay? Come on. So you know the first thing I did? Me and my son, we went over and Jason helped us. We took the old metal off. We replaced the bad boards that were rotten and decaying. And we put a brand new roof on. You know, it didn't leak a bit when it rained. Got a new roof. Guess what? I identified what was causing the decay first. What's causing the decay in your life? What is it? You already know. I don't have to, we don't have to beg and plead with you. We don't have to have the, the music play and, and something emotional to move on you for you to know. You already know right now. You know what causes you to decay right now. Spiritually speaking, you know. You need to write that down in your notes. Put it, don't put it in your memory because you, you, that's something you can forget. You don't forget, but you will. You'll want to. Write it down. My decay problem is, my decay problem in this situation was the bad roof. Number two, get rid of the decay. We had to get that old out of there because decay is like a cancer. It can't stop right here. It wants to keep getting more and more. It'll eat itself right up a piece of wood. It'll eat it right over there, and if it's touching another piece, it'll eat over into that one. That's the way decay and rot happens. It's hungry. You can never feed it enough. And in your life, if you don't get the decay out, guess what? You, you, can't, you can't say, well, I, I've identified the problem and not get rid of the decay. Because it'll just keep eating at you a little bit at a time. I've been at that place 14 years next month. And that building was in better shape in most places until the tin began to get loose and rain began to come in over the past several years and began to decay that building. But once I identified what the decay was and I got rid of the decay, I'll have another 30, 40 years out of that building. God's not finished with you yet. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? God's not finished with you. Get up. Start assessing your problems in your life, your situation. Get, get, figure out what the decay is. Figure out what's happening. Why are you always beat up, beat down, and in misery all the time? Why you can't move forward? Why God ain't, you ain't doing what you think you ought to be doing? Why, why God, well, what God do with the anointing that he put on my life? Uh, let me tell you something. God's anointing still on your life. I don't care. If, if God places anointing you, you can be a heathen for 40 years, and God's anointing still remains on you. Woo! That's bad theology, preacher. No, it's absolutely correct. We're going to talk about it in a minute. It's in Scripture that it will remain on you. Because we're identifying a problem, but we're not dealing with the decay. If your problem is alcohol, get rid of the alcohol. Quit going to the liquor store to buy the newspaper. You'll go in there, and you'll want to, oh, that's a good newspaper. Let me get me a fifth. 
Come on, somebody. Woo! You got a lust problem? Uh-oh. He ain't going to say it, is he? You know me. You got a lust problem? What you watching on television? After you've been married, come on, can I, can I preach to you just a minute? After you've been married 30 years, your lust problem probably isn't your spouse. Come on. It's something you've seen because your eye gate is the most powerful gate into your body. And we'll watch that filth come through that television screen and say, it ain't going to affect me. I'm strong enough for that. You keep letting the tin stay off your spiritual house. And that sin rain, that acid rain will start raining down on your life. And before long, you'll have decay in your life. And you won't even know it's happening until somebody comes up to you or till we notice that, that you've been slacking off uh, sometime from church. Uh, you hadn't been the powerhouse that you have. You hadn't been fast. You used to tell me you used to fast all the time. You used to tell me how you was praying. And all of a sudden, this ain't happening. Come on, this don't take rocket science. This takes like somebody that's paying attention to the sheep. And I pay attention to the sheep in this house. I'm not telling you that so you can walk straight and narrow. I'm telling you so that you can take what's alive and remains in you and strengthen that very thing. Because God ain't finished with you yet. Come on, church. So let's look at another example of how to do, put these two things into practice, this finding out what the cause of the decay and getting rid of that decay in your life. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting at verse 6. 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting at verse 6. First Samuel 30, verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed... For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David, listen to me, David strengthened himself in the Lord. Let me read again. David was facing a stoning. The people wanted to stone him because he had made a bad military uh, exercise decision. And he left the women and the children and the crippled and the lame of the camp unguarded. And he took his men and he started fighting in another direction. And when he came back, another army had come in and taken away the women and the children. And the men that had followed David... And all those people got angry and said, let's stone him. He's not doing the right thing. Let's stone the leader that God has called. Let's stone him right now. And David was distressed according to Scripture. And what did he do? He said he strengthened himself in the Lord. At that moment, he didn't have that good old buddy pal to say, hey, man, I'm going through something. Will you help me? He said, yeah, I'm going to help you. I'm going to stone you. Come on. David said, I'm by myself. But I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. Watch what he did. Well, this is so good. If you just read scripture, slow down. Let it process in your spirit and in your mind. Just think about what he's saying and apply it to your life. This is what it says in verse 7. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Amamelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. Now this is significant because there was different types of ephods in the Old or in the Bible, in the Old Testament more specifically. And there were ordinary priest ephods. An ephod is simply an outer coat. Not this one, but another coat that I would, like you see, uh, Mr. Bobby got one of them nice. Mr. Bobby got one on today. You got your, oh yeah, stand up, Bobby. Stand up. Can you stand up? 
See, see, look at that man. Come out here. I want people to see. They ain't seeing it, don't they? Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the one I was after right there. I started to call you and see if I could borrow it, but I didn't want it to be too, too big for me. See, look at this. See, it's, it's a, you can, he can have on another vest and still put this on the outside. Got his nice, uh, uh, what do you call this, scarf in case he gets cold. This is, this is what you would be, uh, an ephod, okay? And uh, you can sit up. Thank you for that. I'll borrow that one day. An ordinary priest had an ephod that looked one way. And high priest had an ephod that looked a different way. It was adorned with a little different jewels and, and embroidery work. And then the high priest, the royal priest, oh, they had one. Woo! It was like, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know when they came in the room. It signified their position. Right? Come on now. Priest had a position with God. That's why they were priests. And it signified their rank, if you will, their notoriety, their pull, if you will, with God. And King David was of the, mm-hmm, he had it going on. He was the high priest of the high priest. He was the royal priest, okay? And he, first thing he done was he recognized he wasn't clothed with what God gave him. Come on, this is good now. He said, Abathar, run and get me that cloak, that ephod, and put it on me because I done stepped out from it somewhere and I'm not operating under what God wanted me to do. I'm not working, I'm operating under authority. I'm not operating in the church like God wants me to. Put God's presence back on me, if you will. Come on, some of us have gotten out of God's presence, hadn't been in it for months. Some of us hadn't been in it for years. And we expect God to still do things for us. But David said, get me my ephod. Woo! He recognized who had called him, what he had been called to do, that he wasn't just a sinner, that God had called him to do great and mighty things. Bring me my ephod. Woo, that sounds so good to me. So many times I say, God, I don't even know where I left it. Will you just clothe me with it again? God, I've been so long without you. Will you just blanket me with it? Woo, my goodness. David recognized that somewhere, because he had made a wrong decision. He didn't talk to the Lord about that first decision. But watch this. So he recognized that he needed to get back under the cloak of God. And listen to verse 8. So then when David was in the presence under the ephod, he said, he inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? It's a question to God. Now that I've got my bearings back on, I've got my senses back, I'm paying attention. Lord, what do you want me to do? Shall I pursue them? Shall I overtake them? And God answers this. Pursue for you surely will overtake them and without fail recover all. I said it earlier, but I don't think you got it. Let's find out what God wants to do in this body, in this church. Let's see what he wants to do because we figure that out. That's already blessed. And then let's go do that instead of going and doing something. Say, Lord, would you bless what we're doing? God won't bless what he didn't call you to do. Come on now. If you read all of this story, Now, God gave him a promise right here. And he answered, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. If you read the rest of the story in 1 Samuel chapter 30, he went and captured back every woman, every child, the sheep, everything. And he says, none perished. Woo! When God tells you to do something, it's going to be blessed. When God says, get up and let's go this way, you start going that way. You may not have all the answers. You may not understand the whys. But sometimes it's not for you to understand why. 
Obedience is better than sacrifice. Sometimes God wants you to take the first step in the dark when you know that the next step is off the cliff. But God, he'll be there and he'll put his foot. He'll put his hand and you'll step on it. As long as you're following God. Church, it's time that this church says, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do in my life? Now, it's not going to be different than the body as a whole. We got different functions. Come on. But God, a birth in you, he'll bring that thing that was ready to die in you to life. And say, I can put that right in the middle of LVA Church because I got a plan for them. And Scotty, I can take that little part that God's put and put it right next to here. And you'll think, well, that don't even fit. And God says, I'm, I'm the puzzle maker here. Come on, I got a plan. Well, I don't know if that's going to work. Well, if you don't think it is, you're 100% tr- correct. Because you won't let it work. If you don't think you can, you can't. You're right. Watch. Let's look at some things that I wrote down about David in this last passage of Scripture. You don't need a new anointing to strengthen the one you already got. You don't need another anointing You don't need God to give you another revelation to strengthen what you got. It's already in you. And God's anointing doesn't need anything but your participation. Come on. His anointing, that's the kind of glory, that smearing of his presence doesn't need anything but your participation. Come on. You don't need a new anointing. You already got one. King David didn't get a new anointing. He simply strengthened the one God had already placed on him. How do you do it? Get in God's word. Spend time with God. Pray and seek God. I'm not talking about a lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. I'm not talking about blessing your food. I'm talking about getting alone with God and saying, God, what do you want to do in my life? God, what plan do you have? Lord, help me to fulfill everything you have spoken to me. Help me to fulfill the anointing you've placed on my life. There's not a person in this room that God hadn't placed an anointing on your life to do something. We're going to talk about that over the next few weeks too. King David told the priest to go get his ephod. Watch this. Notice that he didn't have a new one made. He went and got what already existed in the spiritual closet. Oh, God, give me a new anointing. Give me a new, a freshness. You may need a freshness, but you don't need a new one. He's already given it to you. You remember that time when you were so on fire for God? That same anointing is on you. Woo! I don't know, preacher. Hang tight. I'm going to show you in a minute. When you, when you were doing what God, you thought you were on cloud nine, you thought you could, you could kick every demon's button hell. You were so spiritually strong. You were a superman spiritually. That same anointing is still in your life. It's that thing down in the bottom that's smoking that's just saying, if you'll give me a little bit of fuel, if you'll give me a little bit of you, I can come to life again because it's ready to die. But God says, I can't die. You might die with me in you, but I'm not going to die. Man, that's good stuff. Watch this. I'm going to hurry and close. When God anoints you, it's always there. You may not feel like it. 
It may not look like it. It may not smell like it. You may not have any fruit. You may not have any get up and go to the things of God. But that anointing is in there in your spirit. Ooh, come on, somebody shout. Come on. There's been times I'm glad that God, that's why I was telling you earlier. The value of the blood of Jesus. He paid a ransom for us. And when he paid that ransom, you said yes. He said, boom, there's an anointing I put on you right then. Did you know that? God anoints you. When you get saved, bam, there's an anointing. You may not recognize it. You may not see it right now. But God's waiting for you to get a little stronger in him. And he starts opening up a little more of the picture. And all of a sudden you say, whoo, glory to God. I'm anointed. Yeah, you were anointed when you got saved. Man, that's good stuff. We always think people, boy, he's anointed, man. That's anointed person of God. That's anointed man of God. If you're saved, you're anointed. If you're saved, you're called by God. If you're saved, God has a plan for your life and for you to get busy. It's not his fault. It's dying. You may think your anointing is dead. You may think God can't use me anymore. I wrote it this way in my notes. You may think your anointing is dead. Dot, 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 dot. Something else is coming. Then I use this little thing called a conjunction. But that means there's something else to follow. This is what I wrote. But you can't kill the anointing. You can run from it. You can deny it. But you can't get rid of the anointing. You can say it doesn't exist. You can say it's hogwash. You can say it's theologically incorrect. You can say, well, I don't believe it that way. I wasn't raised that way. This isn't working for me. But God's anointing is in you and you can't get rid of it. Whoo! Somebody shout me down. Because this is good stuff. There's two more things that I want to reiterate about what David did to strengthen himself. Number one, he realized he was still chosen of God. He was still God's chosen for that particular time, king. He was God's chosen. And until God says differently, that's who you are. Until God says, gives you a different plan, you keep doing what you're doing. I get so tired of church folk that says, well, God's calling me in a different direction. And they go there and they never do anything. And you talk to them a year later, well, I just got out of church. You miss God. But watch, they're still anointed. Oh, that's against theology. They're still anointed. God didn't pull his anointing. Pastor, I don't know if I believe you. Hang tight. If God calls you, stay busy. Put your nose to the grindstone. Keep doing what God has told you. And if you say, well, I hadn't heard from God, then do the last thing he told you and keep doing it. When he wants you to do something else, he'll tell you. Doesn't mean God's not speaking to you if you don't get some word every other day. It means that you're obedient. You're doing what God wants you to do. And you're you're putting the hand to plow. And you're plowing every day back and forth and back and forth. Raising your kids. Paying your bills. Doing all of those things. You say, God, am I anointed to do this? Absolutely you are. Amen, Beth. Come on. It's a prime example right there. 1 John 2, 27 says this, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. The word abide simply means abode. That means to take up residence. That means to remain in place and intact. That anointing that he put in you is still intact. Just like that little heap. In that big old pile where I didn't see a thing. Maybe nobody sees it but God. Maybe you don't look at it. You can't see it in the mirror. But God says there's some smoldering going on down deep in there. 
that anointing I placed in you is still there. I still called you. I'll let you know when I uncall you. Come on. Says it abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you. I don't have to tell somebody come by and tell me that I'm anointed. I don't have to come by somebody to come by and give me a word. Those are good things and I believe in those spiritual gifts and things. But I'm telling you, you don't have to have that thing for God to keep working in your life. Those things will come when you most need them. Woo! When you're going through that pit and you're going through the grind and you say, God, is there anybody that knows what I'm going through besides you? Is there anybody that come along beside me and help me? And somebody will come with a word and say, keep doing what you're doing. God sees it. And all of a sudden, there's some fuel been put on your smoldering pile that we call life. I got to hurry. I didn't want to keep you this long. It's not bothering me a whole lot, but I just want to let you know. And the second thing, again, I want to reiterate is that David inquired. He prayed to the Lord on what to do. I'm going to say without a doubt, there may be one or two people in this building that don't know what God's called you to do. Maybe you're a new, new, new Christian. But everybody else in this building, you already know what you're supposed to be doing. If you've been saved any length of time, you already know. I feel God calling me that way. Well, then step off in it. Get over in it and see. But if you'll inquire of the Lord, he'll say, that's what I want you to do. 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 I got a plan for you and you and you and you. I got a plan for you. Mike, I got a plan for you. Stacy got a plan for you. I got a plan for you. What is it, God? Well, ask him. Here's why, here's why people don't step into their calling. Are you ready? This is deep theology. Y'all know when I say that, this is so simple that you overlook it, right? Here's why so many people don't step into their calling. Because they don't want to do that. They feel, well, for, for several reasons, not because they're bullheaded, but some reason they, they feel inadequate. They don't feel like they know God's word enough. Well, that is your fault. You can read it like anybody else. They don't, so they, they don't feel like they're, they're adequate. They don't, they don't feel like that they're uh, educated enough in that, in that area to do something. I, I'm not a public speaker. I'm really behind the scenes. Neither was I. I've overcome my shyness. The first message I preached was five minutes. I thought I had an hour and five minutes, Andrew. I thought, man, this is going to go so long. These people are never going to invite me back because we're going to be way after lunch. Thank God I had a wise pastor. He gave me the message there. He gave me the pulpit at 1130. He knew it wasn't going to be long. 1135, I said, "Uh, come on up, pastor. Some of you right now in your spirit saying, I want that guy back. That's the guy I want. Let me finish. So let me, let me finish my statement. You, you already know, you just don't want to. You don't feel qualified. You don't feel educated enough. Simply, well, God, I was thinking more of pulpit ministry, something more up front. You know, because I, I got to look and, you know, I got to close. I was thinking more of something up on the stage, you know, with, you know up here with Lee. And I thought I wanted to sing. and That's really what I feel like the Lord's calling me. Have you heard yourself sing in the shower? Well, it don't get no better up here. It's amplified. We can all hear it. And I'm picking on you. You know what I'm saying. We want it a certain way. Oh, watch this now. And we only want to do it. I want a ministry that fits my schedule. Every week. Have you lost your mind, Lord? 
Let, should I remind you how this is supposed to work, God? It's you and then family and then church somewhere down here. Baloney. Listen to me when I tell you. Hogwash. That's a lie from hell. God instituted the family. Here's an example. Here. God instituted the family. Come on, who did? Don't you think he made a way for you to get your family to church? I think God is right here. And family and church is so close to it, you got to have a camera at the finish line to see who wins. Come on. Don't give me this baloney that you got kids and you can't get to church and you got to go do this and ball games is on this night and we can't go over here. Baloney. We've been fed that line. We believe that line now that it's in the church so much that you'll probably want to vote me out next week because... Oh, no, I got to have my family time. My family, I had family time. Had it at the church house. Now, Ethan got a little twitch, but the rest, they ain't bad. See in here? He's, oh, there you are. Hey, brother. You can ask him. They got tired of going to church. Oh, God. I wish Daddy would do something different. Why do he have to be a youth pastor? Why do we got to? Why is he even saved? He don't act safe most of the time. I don't even know why he goes. So I can stay that way, son. Come on, our kids were in church. Ask my brother Hunter there, my son-in-law, wonderful son-in-law, best one in the world. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he is a good man of God, good man of God. And he asked me, he said, "Can I date your daughter?" He can tell you that he can detest to you. He's right there. I said, first thing, I, my response was, what's he calling? Because I've raised my daughter to be in the house of the Lord. I've raised her with an anointing to sing and worship God. What's your calling? I didn't want anything to mess that up. See, if you do this thing right, church, God will send the right people right along, right beside them, and compliment. I told him this. I said, whatever it is, you're, you will compliment hers. And if your ministry doesn't compliment hers, you got the wrong gal. Ooh, that's hard because I like that fella. Man, I'm so God, glad God was listening to me that day. I was really glad that I was walking in the anointing when I made that statement. I'm telling you, church. You get your family to church. Did you hear what I said? You get them to church. You get them to church and you be involved in church with your kids. It is statistically proven that kids will stay in church if they see father worshiping and teaching and preaching and, and, and doing those type of things and greeting at the back door and cleaning and all this. It is a proven statistic that they watch dad and they'll follow what he does about 85% you tell me it's not important you can take that hogwash and blow it up somebody else's uh, other preacher's coattail I don't believe that for one minute I'm not saying your kids will be perfect mine's not perfect I would never say that never would I say my kids are perfect but I can say this they love Jesus and they're busy in the church, not just to be busy, but they're busy and they're doing something for the kingdom. Why would we want to deprive our kids of that opportunity? Why? Jeremiah 29 and 12, and I close with this. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. Watch, listen. And I, this is the Lord saying this, and I will listen to you. That's so good. We like Jeremiah 29 11, don't we? 
Oh, I know the plans I have for you, and they're good, and to prosper you, and to bring you to a good end. Glory to God, and we stop right there. The next verse is a continuation of the one before that. If you'll go and pray to me, I'll listen to you. You got to inquire of the Lord. Let me recap. We're going to close. So what do we do? You find out what's causing the decay in your life. You don't have to look very far. Just right now, you already know it. Get rid of the decay. You know how to do that. You ain't got the money to spend on stars and encores and HBO and send to the max and all that anyway, okay? And you got to realize that God's still chosen you. God's not finished with you yet. Get up. Get up. Because God's not finished with you yet. Will you stand with me across this building?